God is good. All the time. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5. If you want to go ahead and turn there. There's also a listening guide in your bulletin you can take out. Welcome to Arden First, where I hope that you're experiencing God's presence and the fellowship among the believers. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is in this place, in every believer. And God, we just pray that you would move in such a way that could be said that God was among us. So, Father, we pray for the Holy Spirit and for power in this place. We pray that we wouldn't just be informed, but we'd be transformed. Father, we pray that you would encourage each person here. I know that so many are carrying burdens and struggles, and we just pray that you would uplift their hearts and give them a peace which passes all understanding. And Father, as we leave this place, help us leave talking about Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. How many of you have ever been on an exciting fishing trip before? Anybody? Fishing stories out there? I know Cliff definitely has. Well, my brother David is an avid fisherman. And he takes you know, some of us brothers and sisters fishing whenever they want to go. Mostly the brothers. I don't know if actually the sisters have taken him up on it, but... One fishing trip that I remember that will always stick in me is we went to a place called Waterville. Anybody ever been to Waterville? Probably not. There's a few fishermen out there. Waterville is on the border of North Carolina and Tennessee and Haywood County. And it's like back roads. It's like back country. So when you go out there, it feels like you're trespassing on everyone's private property. You feel like someone's getting ready to come out with a shotgun I'm like, what are we doing back here? So we, we arrive, and um, we get into his little boat, and everything was good until the clouds started coming together. And before we knew it, the rain was just coming down in blankets and sheets, and we're just like, this is crazy. Like, what are we going to do? And after about 10, 15 minutes, the boat started filling up with water, and I thought it was going to sink at any moment. I look at my brother, the professional fisherman, what are we going to do? And he's like, you've got to start belling the water out. So we get buckets, and we're throwing water out and throwing water out. And finally, we get a lot of the water out. We're soaking wet. But you know what? After the, the sun finished, after the rain stopped and the sun came out, I cast, the, I cast my line out, and I caught one of the biggest fish of the day. So that's my big fishing story. And I live to tell about it. So today we're going to talk about a fishing story, except they don't use lines, they use nets. A lot of times we talk about the disciples. I don't know about you, but we, we kind of contextualize it in our own mind. We think about someone on a boat leisurely with a net, and you know he's got his cola there or whatever, and he's hanging out and they're chatting. But the biblical fisherman, was, it was a net and it was hard work. It was often at nighttime. And it was uh, very arduous as far as work. So today we're going to look at this passage and just give you a little preview. We're going to talk about how Jesus encounters these disciples um, as he's getting ready to call them to be his disciples. And how he takes them to deeper. He launches them into the deep. They, they were on the shallows and the people were on the shore. And Jesus tells them to go out to the deep. Launch out to the deep. And the question I want you guys to ask as we read through this passage is, how can I see God move greater in my walk and my witness? Because I don't know about you, but I'm never satisfied being a shallow saint. It just doesn't do anything for me. But I want to be a deep water devoted disciple. I don't want to be a shallow water saint just playing in the shallows. But I want to go fishing in the deep waters. Can I get an uh-huh? 
All right, so let's look at this passage in Luke 5. You can take out your listening guide. This will help you follow along because I think there's a lot of uh, points of application for you. It starts off in verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. So here's the thing. The word pressed about, the only way I can describe this, has anybody ever been in a dog pile before in school, you know, where the kids get on top of you, you're on the bottom and you feel pressed and squeezed? How many of you, yeah, some of the guys, the girls don't know we're talking about guys, but a dog pile is when everyone presses against you and you're on the bottom and you want to get out. This is kind of, Jesus was so famous at this point. He had done so many wonders and the, the people were mostly here, as we'll see, because of the word he spoke, the authority, that they were all around him. It was like they wanted to get at him. So notice what happens in verse 2. And Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake. See, so we have two boats. They're, on, they're on, by the lake. The fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Now, a little point for fishermen. It's fun to go fishing, but it's not fun to clean your nets. It's fun to go fishing, but how many of you like wash, washing your boat? Probably none of us. That's not the fun part. Then Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Now, can you imagine Jesus, like, jumping into a boat? And before you think this is really out there, it kind of is, but Jesus probably had met Peter before. We learn in John chapter 1 that he was introduced to Peter. So this probably is not the first time they had met each other. And so Jesus did something a little bold. He gets in the boat. And verse 3, then when he got one of the boats, which is Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. See, here you have Jesus in a boat and the the mass people uh, on the shore. Now, wouldn't that be a creative way to preach in a boat? I want to try that sometime. You guys will go to Lake Julian. I'll get a little boat and we'll see how that works. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, before we read Simon's response, we've got to understand the background of fishermen. They, they would fish in the day, but often they would fish at nighttime because the, the fish would come to the shore where it's shallow, and they would take their net in the shallow, and they'd catch fish. So they would typically go at night or when it's dark and in the shallows. And look what Jesus asked them to do. He says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So he asked them to go deep and to catch a fish during the day instead of shallow and at nighttime. But Simon answered him and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. So when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. Now, you better believe they had a fishing story after this, right? When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with them were astonished at the catch of fish, which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all 
and followed him. May God bless his holy inspired word. So today we're going to talk about three strategies. What happens when we try to launch out into the deep? And when we do that, there's four positive results. So three strategies for launching out the deep and four results from this passage. The first one is this. If you want to have a greater impact, you must be willing to do what others aren't willing to do. Look back at verse 1. It says, the multitudes pressed about him to do what? To hear the word of God. My mother and I were talking on the phone yesterday. I'm a mama's boy by self-disclosure. We talk almost every day. And we were talking about how when, we, when I was growing up in, in her days in four, you used to see revivals all over the place. You guys remember that? Every church would have like a spring and fall revival. And other than independent Baptist churches, I hardly ever see any revivals anymore. And we were talking about why is that? So I actually talked to uh, an evangelist and asked him, why are there no more revivals? And you know what he told me? People aren't hungry anymore for, for, for God as they used to be. When, we, when I was growing up and former generations, you know, much further down the road than me, you used to come to, to experience great worship and you used to come to hear great preaching. You remember that? You just were hungry. And now the hunger is the hunger's still there, but it's in other stuff. And I feel like God gives every believer a hunger. The problem is we fill it with wells that can't satisfy. We go after things that really don't quench that hunger. So that's why we keep buying more stuff and bigger stuff and better stuff. And we're not any more happy. So I think if we want to have a greater impact, I think looking at the multitudes, it helps us. Notice it didn't say they were there for the miracles. They were there to hear the word of God. And I think if we go back to a culture of wanting to experience God so much, we're hungry for him. Not that we get more of God, but that he gets more of us. And we're willing to surrender more of, our, of ourselves to him. He's going to meet that, that hunger. And he's going to fill us with his presence. James says it like this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Also, if you want to reach people, I want you to notice what Jesus did. What was his teaching style? What did he do that was unusual in this passage? He taught from a boat. Now, I've heard it. Uh, I've been in ministry this month. I'm celebrating 20 years, going into my 21st year. I uh, started really young at 15. Some people probably think I started at 5, but no, 15. And um, one of the things I've heard over the past 20 years is, you know, it sounds very spiritual. All you need to do is just teach them the Bible. If they won't listen to the Bible, that's their problem. The problem with that, it sounds spiritual. The problem with that is Jesus didn't just teach the Bible he did it creatively. He told stories. He's teaching from a boat here. I mean, if anyone could have just gave them the word without any creativity, any, any packaging, it would be Jesus, right? But Jesus, if you read through the way he taught, he captured people's attention. And then once he captured their attention, he captured their heart. And I, I think it's kind of funny. Sometimes we think church should be boring and stale and not fun. But if you read through the teachings of Jesus, people were astonished at what they were hearing. They were in awe. And what I'm trying to say is there's nothing wrong with being creative and innovative with reaching people. And I think we, we have to do it. We have to look at Jesus and his creativity. If you want to reach people, you have to be willing what others aren't willing to do. So I got a few pictures of churches I thought was innovative. Um, this is uh, on Pinterest, by the way. This one church had a blessing box. 
where you could take anything you needed and you could add, and it was a community blessing box. I thought that was really cool. Another church, they, they did something that was interesting, community prayer box, kind of like a mailbox. You could drive by and put your prayer request and have the church uh, people pray for you. Um, another church, in their effort to reach people, Notice they also had another form of a blessing box. It says, take what you need and leave what you don't. And something little means much in the master's hand. I thought that was really innovative. And I think we have one more picture of churches just trying to do things. Uh, This is a group of ladies that, free prayer day, can we pray for you? And I've even seen churches do drive-through prayer, believe it or not. Have a tent set out and you can drive your car through and have people pray for you. So why are these churches doing stuff that are outside of Sunday and Wednesday? Well, if you want to reach people that others aren't reaching, you have to be willing to do what others aren't willing to do. And what's interesting in this text, Jesus is sitting in a boat or standing in a boat teaching. And it says uh, he, he taught the word of God. And it said the fishermen were gone and they were washing their nets. And look at verse 3. When he had gone out of the boat, which was Simon's, He asked them to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught him. Think about the picture. Jesus in a boat. He's sitting. And his voice is projecting along the people to shores. And I wonder what word they heard that day. What message did did he preach? Um, We don't really know all that he... There was like no recorded message. But obviously the message made an impact. The people were continually astonished with his words. So what ideas is Arden First doing to reach people? If we want to do things to reach people, what are we doing? Well, a few, a few ideas that have come um, to the mission team lately. One, I'll read a few, is do a free car wash and have a hot dog cookout and try to build relationships with people in the community. Someone else brought up uh, buying everyone's coffee for an hour at a local coffee shop where we sit down and talk to people and try to get to meet people. Um, someone else in the mission team had um, an idea of doing a free health clinic to meet the physical needs of those in the area so we can share Christ with them. And the list goes on and on. So if you guys have any creative ideas to reach people, put that on your connection card. We'd love to hear them. Because if you want to reach people that those aren't able to reach, you've got to be willing to do what others aren't willing to do. Amen? The second principle of launching out to the deep. If you want to have a greater impact, you must launch out into the deep even when others are staying ashore. So you hear people, they're staying ashore, and you had the, the fishermen who were used to catching fish in the shallows. And look at verse 4, Jesus tells them to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So this is after Jesus had sat down in the boat, taught a lesson, and he's telling his disciples to launch out. Now there's just one problem, Simon is the professional what? Fisherman. And this rabbi... At this point, that's who he thinks Jesus probably is. Doesn't know him as Savior and Son of God and the Word in flesh. But this rabbi comes. Like, what are you, preacher, trying to tell me what to do about fishing? That'd be like me trying to tell an architect how to build or a nurse how to do medicine. What Peter didn't realize is Jesus was the one who had created all the fish in that, that lake. Um, he the, he's the one that had created the reproduction system, how fishes multiply and the eggs and all that scientific. Peter didn't realize that. So Jesus knew more about fishing than Peter would ever know in his lifetime. But notice he says, launch out into the deep. Jesus wanted the fishermen to go deeper. 
They were used to catching fish in the shallows at dark. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you out in the daytime into the deep. And generally, the way the fishermen would work, not that they never fished during the daytime, but before it got really hot, that was the time to catch a lot of fish on the shallow with a net. And if they ever fished in the deep, they would use something called a drag net. So he was sending them out to do something that they were not used to doing. Fishermen at night in the shallows are now going out in the day in the deep end. So what does that tell us? What does that tell us about catching fish? If we're using this as an analogy for catching people, what does that tell us? A lot of Christians think we're deep Christians. If we know Bible verses, we can quote precepts and principles and theology. But I would propose to you that you're a deep Christian if you're catching fish. So many of us will give advice of like, okay, here's how you catch a fish. And my question is, how many fish have you caught for the Lord? How many people have you won? If you haven't won anyone, are you the best one to give advice? Reached people, reached people. Those who have been reached by Jesus, reach for Jesus. So here's the thing. If you're catching fish, I want to learn from you. If you're on the sideline trying to give me advice how to catch, I would say let's go deeper. Let's learn how to fish together. Let's do what it takes. So when you think about rescues, when someone is drowning in the ocean, do rescues usually happen in the shallow or do rescues happen in the deep end? If we are rescuing people far from God, we have to move out of the shallows and go into the deep. Because if we do that, we're going to be able to reach people that aren't being reached. Because if they're drowning, we have to go after them. Amen? Turn to the person next to and say amen. Reached people, reached people. So if you look on your listening guide, and we're on page two, I believe, in your listening guide, there are certain principles of launching into the deep. And these are just some application points when Jesus says go deeper. Here, here's some things to think about. And we're talking about reaching people for Jesus, sharing our faith. If you do what you've always done, you will get what you've always got. You ever notice that? We do the same thing over and over and we expect different results. Someone, didn't, someone say that's insanity. Um, and I, I find it so amazing that Jesus didn't just do what any rabbi would do, sit, sit down and teach, but he got in a boat and sat down and was in the water while people on the shore. That's so creative. The next principle, if you look on your listening guide, if you want to have a different result, you'll need to find a different approach. Now, here's the truth. The Bible never changes. Truth never changes. The gospel is eternal. But the methodologies have to change so people can understand the message. And we get that. I remember hearing the story about George Beverly Shea, you know, the song, I'd Rather Have Jesus Than Silver or Gold, and Gold, we, we sing that at funerals a lot. Did you know when that first song first came out, when he put tune to it, people thought that was too contemporary? <laughs> I'm serious. Like, and now it's like being sung everywhere. What did George Beverly Shea and Billy Graham know that sometimes we forget? The gospel never changes, but people have to understand it in their own soul and heart language. We have to communicate it in a way that people can get it. So part of reaching people is speaking the gospel in multiple languages of the soul where people can get it. And that's what we're trying to do at Arden First. All right, look at the next principle. Shallow efforts produce shallow results. If we're only going to be parked in it, if we're not going to be fully, fully hearted, fully devoted, if, if we just put minimal efforts, we're going to get minimal results. If you want a big catch, you have to go all out. You have to launch in the deep. You can't, you can't be a shallow shore saint. You have to be a deep water devoted disciple. 
Launching into the deep multiplies the possibilities. Notice when the disciples were in the shallows, they had no fish. It wasn't until they tried something different. They used the exact same nets, but they tried something different Did they catch. And the thing is, is we're using the exact same gospel. Sometimes we have to try a different approach in order to reach different people. Jesus loves you in the shallows, but he never leaves you in the shallows. It's okay to be a shallow saint for a season, but you can't stay there. It's okay to be that if you're a new believer, but you have to go deeper. Every adventure in the deep begins with one more step out of the shallow. So a lot of you are like, well, that just sounds too extreme, Pastor. I don't know about deep, deep living. When I mean deep water, I mean you're fully surrendered. It's as simple as Jesus said, uh, go and make what of all nations? Disciples. Go fishing. Catch people. Win people for Christ. But notice he said, let down your nets in verse 4. Look at the person next to you and say, let down your net. The reason why I'm not catching fish and you're not catching fish is not that we don't have a net. We're not letting down the net. In other words, if you want to reach people with the gospel, you have to share the gospel. So many of us are like, I'm not reaching anyone for Christ. And it's like, well, when's the last time you shared the gospel? Well, why don't we share the gospel? Well, I'm a little scared. I'm afraid I'm going to get rejected. Listen, if they reject the gospel, they've not rejected you. They rejected God. So let's, let's get the good news out. Let's share it. And you'll be surprised what kind of catch that the Lord gives you. Those who have been reached by Jesus are called to reach for Jesus. Reached people reach people. Number three, not only should we launch out into the deep for a catch, but number three, if you want to have a greater impact, you must value God's word above your own experiences. Look at verse five in your scripture text. I love verse 5. It says, But Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Now, we don't know what Simon was completely thinking, but I know what I'd be tempted. Like, I'm the expert. You're the rabbi. You stick to preaching. You ever heard? I've heard that before. Stick to preaching. You stick to preaching. I'll stick to fishing. That, that may have been temptation, but notice he crossed the threshold and he said, Nevertheless, in other words, this goes against my better judgment. I don't know if you know what you're talking about. This goes against rational sense. This goes against my intuition. This goes against my intelligence as a fisherman. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down my net. Nevertheless, at your word. So think about that. So many of us value other things above God's word. Now the truth about God's word is the Bible is the only source of absolute authority. It is. And on your listening guide, I list seven absolute authorities that people think about, but they're not absolute. They they think of them as, well, this is what I go by, but they're not reliable. They're reliable some of the time, but they're not reliable all the time. The first one is this, experiences. And I hear this all the time. I was talking to someone in a a men's study. I I ran into he and his wife. I do a men's study um, in Waynesville. And they said, well, I know what the Bible says about this certain issue, but I know people that are like this. So in other words, I, don't, I know the Bible says, but my experience tells me this. Let me ask you a question. Do your experiences change? I mean, aren't your experiences different now than they were 10 years ago? Your experiences are not an authority that you can base your life on. The second one is tradition. Well, I know the Bible says this, but my tradition says this. Traditions come and go and traditions change. You can't rely fully on tradition. I was telling 
the 930 group about, I can't remember the story exactly, but it was some mother that was um, baking a ham or it was something like that. And they would, she would cut both ends off and put it in the oven. And the daughter's like, why do you cut both ends off? And she said, well, that's the way you're supposed to do it. And she's, you know, like little kids, well, why? Why? And when she researched it, she found out that her mother had a smaller oven, so that's why she cut both ends off the hand to fit it in. And she was just doing it because that was tradition. So tradition's not foolproof. Emotions. All right, how many school teachers or retired school teachers do we have in here? I know we've got a lot. You ever wonder in school, we, I, teachers used to say, what do you think about this? What are your thoughts? You ever notice how the common uh, verbiage we use is, how do you feel? <laughs> you notice that? Instead of saying, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Or what do you think about well, How do you feel today? It's like we get, we're an emotional society. Nothing wrong with emotions. But emotions shouldn't drive you. What about intuition? Well, I know what the Bible says and what Jesus says, but I just have this gut feeling. And doesn't God just want me to be happy? You know, when we say that, I would say, well, God's not against your happiness, but he's for your holiness. And he never wants you to be happy at the expense of your holiness. What about research? For those who are intellectual, and we say, well, I just I research my way. Well, how many of you know research is a process, and sometimes your research can be flawed? I mean, you look even with elections and different stuff, they can make either candidate seem like they're winning, depending on how they present the research. Um, polls can be twisted, and, you know, that, that's... What about science? I mean, some people say, I'm not into religion, I'm into science. If you've studied your science textbook, how many times have scientific theories changed through the years? Con- is science really reliable? I'm talking about the theories. Is it really? Um, a lot of times we'll say convictions or beliefs. Well, this is what I believe. Well, why do you believe what you believe? I, I joked with the earlier 930 and I said, you know, a lot of times certain people will have convictions really strongly. Like, you know, women aren't supposed to wear makeup. Well, that may be your conviction, but that's not for every woman. All the ladies said... Amen. <laughs> it's like, come on now. So a conviction is something, a strong-held belief, but that's not the ultimate authority. The only ultimate authority we have is the Bible. Why? Because the Bible was written by God. He breathed His Word through the personalities and intelligence of men. And He super, he super inspired them in such a way that they wrote without Fault or flaw or error. I mean, there is nothing in the Bible that can lead anyone astray. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. First Peter, or 2 Peter 1.21, it says, Prophecy never came by the will of man, but listen, this holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the only source of absolute authority we have is the Bible. Everything else is subject to change or... You know, it, it, it makes a difference. So I love how Peter says, Jesus, we've fished all night. We've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. And many of us in our experiences, we've said, God, I've tried to share Christ with my family and they, they rejected it. Or I've tried to pray and it didn't work. But listen, Jesus says, trust in his word. Don't trust in your emotion, your experiences. Don't trust in your intelligence. Don't trust in your intuition. Don't trust in what you think is true. Trust in what you know to be true as in God's Word. It will never lead you astray. You know, there are many churches today, you know, the statistics vary, but it's been said at least 80% of churches are plateaued or declining. 
And if you look at the growth rate of a city, if the city is growing at a faster rate than the church, even if you're gaining in numbers, you're still declining because you're not growing in proportion to the city growth. So in that case, I've heard it's as much as 90% are not growing. So many churches are saying, well, less people are going to church less often. People aren't hungry. But you know what Jesus would probably tell us today through this passage? Let down your net. Nevertheless, we've tried everything, but nevertheless, we want to keep going. So until every man and woman and child hears the good news, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep fishing. Let down your net. Don't give up. Don't let up until God takes us up. Amen? So, Jesus may ask you to do something. Notice what happens. All this process started when who got into whose boat? Jesus got into Peter's boat. If you're a believer, Jesus is in your boat. If you've asked Jesus in your life, the Holy Spirit's moved inside and Jesus is in your boat. Here's the thing about Jesus in your boat. He will tell you things that you don't want to do. He will give you orders that you don't necessarily want to follow. Peter's like, "Ah, we've done it all night. It hasn't worked. But nevertheless, that's your word. When Jesus gets in your boat, if you listen to what he says, he will take you places you never dreamed of. He will allow you to reach people you never thought were possible. And he will add purpose and destiny to your life. If Jesus is in your boat, you have to listen. But here's the thing. Some people have Jesus in their boat, but they're still a shallow, shore saint. They're hanging out here. And Jesus says, go deeper. And they're like, I like it out. This is so much fun. I like it out here. It's fun. But Jesus says, go deeper. And when you go deeper as a believer, it doesn't mean that you know all the answers. It doesn't mean you you have all the answers, but it means you're fully surrendered to him. Your heart is deeply in love and you're deeply surrendered. So I want to change gears here a little bit. And we talked about these principles of going deep and the question is why do you go deep we know jesus wants us to but is there anything practical well i'm glad you asked that question because there are there are four life-shattering principles if you go deep instead of staying on the shallows you know yeah you're saved but you're still in the shallows if you go deep with the lord the old timers used to say it like this if you surrender and sell out here's here's what can happen the first one is this your catch will catch you by surprise. Your catch will catch you by surprise. In verse 6, you notice the fishermen, I mean, they, they couldn't believe because they had caught nothing and now they, they're catching enough fish to fill up two boats and the boats are beginning to sink, kind of like my story, but much more dramatic. <laughs> they were about to sink. Can you imagine, for, how many fishermen do we have out here? I know Cliff and others. All right, we've got a few fishermen. Can you imagine the fishermen stories they told that day? At the local diner. You know, I had fished all night, caught nothing, and here comes this rabbi. And by the way, I think he's more than a rabbi because I really encountered him, says Peter. Um, But all of a sudden, he tells me to go deeper. And I'm used to fishing at night in the shallows. And Jesus tells me to go at day in the deep water, which totally made no sense. But I did what he said, and look at all these fish. I mean, can you imagine the fishermen tell? We don't know what happened. We do know they forsook all and left it. So who got those fish? <laughs> I, you know, was it his, his family? Uh, we, don't, we don't know. But I can imagine the fishermen's stories that they were told. And even Peter, I'm sure, would tell some stories about this catch. Um, another principle is this. The overflow will be so great that you will need to recruit others to get in on the blessing. Now here's the thing about it. 
many of us have a poverty mentality. Here's the poverty mentality. There's only one pizza. There's only one loaf of bread. And you have to fight for your slice or fight for your piece. I mean, you've ever heard that. You've got to fight for your piece. If you don't fight for it, they'll take it from you. Well, biblically, that's incorrect. Biblically, God says he'll give each of us our daily bread. And you can't take my daily bread. You can try, but guess what? God can turn five loaves and two fish into feeding a multitude. You, you can try to take it, but God will restore it more than ever what you could take. So people can try to take from you, but God will always give you more back than you could ever dream. And it's not always in this lifetime. Sometimes it's on the other side when we're like, wow, I gave up so much. Look what you've blessed. So don't ever have the poverty mentality. I have to fight for my piece of the pie. You don't have to fight. You have to pray for your daily bread. You have to trust God will provide. So here's something I want you to get. God's blessing is so big, you're going to need others to help you to fulfill his vision and his mission. And here's the thing. Here's the reason. A lot of people say, I would go to church, but, you know, the church is full of what? They say hypocrites. And I've been hurt at church. And and there's a long list. And a lot of them are valid. But here's the thing. God's mission is so big, you can't do it alone. You're going to need to recruit others to help you. And that's why you're part of a local church. Because the mission of God is so big and wide and deep and compelling. There's nobody can do it on their own. Even Jesus didn't do it on his own. He relied on the Father. He had 12 disciples. He sent out 70. He had a group of women that helped support him. I mean, he had a a bunch of people working with him. And if Jesus, who was God in the flesh, needed help and didn't do it alone, how dare us think we can do it alone? So we need the local church. We need to be committed and connected because if you're out fishing alone, you're going to end up like the disciples. We've done all this. There's no results. Listen, go deeper. Look at the person next to you and say, go deeper. So, number three. Another result. Others will encounter God's glory, which will forever rewrite their story. Others will encounter God's glory, which will forever rewrite their story. Look at verse 8. Look what happens to Peter. When Peter saw it, he saw the two boats filled and sinking. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Whenever you encounter God's glory, it forever changes your story. Isaiah said in the year when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, the train of his robe filling the temple. And what did he say? Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. After the Lord encountered Job, I want to read to you from Job 42. Job finally heard God speak to him. And here's what, here's what was his response. I'm reading to you from Job 42, 5 and 6. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. So I want you to think about it. When you encounter God's glory, the response is never pride. It's always humility. It's always conviction of sins. And it's what you do with it. Um, when Peter encountered Jesus, he was forever changed. Peter's sinfulness met God's gracefulness and produced a change in Peter which brought about his usefulness. I'll say that again. Peter's sinfulness met God's gracefulness and produced a change in Peter which brought about his usefulness. Finally, the fourth result. What happens when I launch out in the deep? 
a fourth response, a fourth change that will happen potentially. God will change the trajectory of your life and the lives of those who are willing to forsake the shallow and are willing to launch out into the deep. Notice what happened in this text in verses 9 through 11. They were astonished at the catch. Whenever someone in your world sees you surrender to Christ, sell out, when you're all in for all that God has for you for all the days of your life, people will be astonished. Because it's rare. It's rare. Sad to say, in former generations, you'd have people that would sell out and surrender and be on fire. You look around, who's on fire today? Who is fully surrendered? Who's sold out? Scripture says the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole world to find one person whose heart is fully committed, someone who's loyal. So I wonder when he searches Arden first, does he find a, a church full of sold out, deep water disciples? Or does he see people still in the shallows? And he's saying, come deeper. Followers of Jesus become fishers for Jesus. Notice that they were, they were fishermen and they were catching fish. And I don't know about you, but I enjoy fish. But fish, when it gets old, it begins to become a smelly fish. It doesn't smell good. I mean, I, you can tell fishing stories. Um, and fish, once you release it, it's gone. Once you put it on your wall, it's mounted and that's it. It becomes a story. So what Jesus is saying to them and saying to us is, I'm going to take your natural interests and abilities and desires. And when you follow me, I'm going to take you to a different level. Instead of fishing for people, you're now going to, instead of fishing for fish, you're now going to fish for people. And guess what? When you win a soul for Christ, the soul is eternal and that person will be forever changed for eternity. So in other words, let's put it in, 21st century, in 2018, many of us could make a lot of money, and that's great. Many of us could build businesses. Many of us can be successful. Nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But what are you doing for eternity that's going to last? Because the last time I checked, you, I've never seen a U-Haul truck behind a hearse. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. You can catch souls, and you can reach people for Jesus. How many of you use uh, Facebook or Twitter? Raise your hand. All right. Probably half the congregation. There's something on Facebook and Twitter called unfollow. You ever seen that? Like if someone's posting a lot of negativity on Facebook, you can unfollow their news feed so you don't see it. I think some of us have to unfollow the shallows. Some of us have to unfollow the world because we're so enamored and captured by the bright lights and the excitement. But guess what? We're still in the shallows. And instead, we have to follow Jesus, who says, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It's a process. And these disciples, as I said, we know from John, this wasn't probably the first time Jesus met them. It was a process of discipleship. It begins with a decision and continues with a process. So here's the thing. On a level of 1 to 10, as far as sold out to Jesus, you may be a level 4. Why don't you become a level 5 today? Why don't you take the next step? Some of you may be 8 or 9. Why don't you go ahead and surrender fully? Um, some of you, it would be great to surrender all. Some of you are like, I can't take the next step. I wish to God everybody would surrender. But at the very least, take the next step of faithfulness. Take the next step. I know it's a process. Some of you are willing to dive deep. And I want to say, go for it. For those of you who are like, I can't, I want. I was like, you can. But at the very least, take the next step. Jesus says it like this through James. Draw near to God. And he will what? Draw near to you. 
So your take-home truth is this. Don't wallow in the shallows because God has something greater for you if you're willing to launch in the deep. Don't, don't wallow in the shallows. Don't hang out. Don't be a, a still-sitting saint. Be a deep-water devoted disciple. And I, I just love, just to close this, this chapter, I love the imagery of Jesus getting into a boat, sitting down, teaching the people by the shore. After he's done teaching, he's like, I'm now giving another lesson to Simon and the other, the other fishermen. Go deeper. And notice the, the rest of the scripture here. In verse 9, it says, All who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish. In verse 11, it says, So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Because they realized, I can catch fish. And by the way, what, one, one beautiful principle is they had a successful event. They could have cashed the fish in and became very successful and continued on. I mean, they could have held this on, you know, enterprise. But they went from being successful in the, in, in the world's eyes to being successful with the Lord. Follow me. So your action step is to go deeper with God. I pray to God that your hunger for God's Word is stronger. I pray that He would wet, W-H-E-T, He would make it stronger appetite. So here's some principles. If you're not having a daily time with God, start it. You want to look for a book? Luke's a good book to, to start on since we're there. For those of you who haven't signed up for Right Now Media, the church gives it away free. All we need is your email address. It has access to over 20,000 videos that will encourage you. I have some suggestions on your outline. Mark Batterson has a good one called The Grave Robber. If you've got kids or grandkids, there's an Easter devotional called Jelly Telly Devotional. It talks about Easter. Uh, I, just, I wish to God we are hungry. Jesus said, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. Followers become fishers. Those who are caught by Jesus catch people for Jesus. Let us pray. Father, I know it's a challenging word you give us. But I love how you comfort Peter and said, don't fear. Don't fear, my friend. From now on, you're going to catch people. And Lord, I know there's people squirming in their feet, squirming in their seats. And, you know, they're thinking, I'm not ready to surrender. I'm not ready to sell out. And I pray that they are. But Lord, help them at the very least take the next step of obedience. At the very least, take the next step to follow you. With everyone in a spirit of prayer, no one looking around, I want to talk first to the believers. How many of you are tired of playing in the shallows? Tired of not having a lot of fruit or effectiveness for the Lord? And you want to go deeper. You, as the old timers used to say, you want to be sold out, surrendered, sharing the good news with everyone that you come in contact with. That's you. Raise your hand. Father, you see the hands lifted up. Father, we repent for being in the shallows for so long. We realize that sometimes we're in the shallows for a season and we try to get healed up. But God, help us to launch deeper. Help us to let down our nets and catch people. Help us not to be critical of those who are trying to reach people. They may do it in a different way than we would. But Lord, help us realize that you're the God of creativity. And that while the gospel never changes, the methods have to change to reach more people. Because people are lost and dying and going to hell. And we got to let out our gospel nets and reach out to them. So Father, help us to talk less about fishing and help us to do more fishing. Help us to get out and engage instead of sitting on the shore. Help us to launch in the deep. And while the believers continue to pray, there may be one here that 
You heard the gospel today. Jesus Christ loves you more than you'll ever know. He died on the cross for your sins, but he didn't stay there. He rose on the third day. And if you're willing to place your faith in Jesus Christ alone, he will forgive you. He will give you eternal life and you will live forever with him if you're willing to repent of your sins and believe the gospel. So right where you're sitting, say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I've tried the shallow waters of this world and they never quench, they never satisfy. But today, I place my faith in you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. I pray you would make me a new person inside and out. And I will follow you from this day forward and even forevermore. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, please let us know. We want to welcome you to the family of God. Father, you heard all the prayers going up by the saints. We pray blessings on each person here. Bless each church that is getting the gospel out here in their area and around the world. And Father, help fishermen to catch fish. Help us to let down our gospel nets and to change people. Reach people, reach people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This time we're